Genre. Doctor Who The Long Way Around, the weekly podcast where we review and discuss every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Nick Jimenez. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today on the show we'll be discussing The Moon Base, the second doctor's fourth story. Yes. Uh, so The Moon Base is the return of the Cybermen. Um, and in fact, that's what it was called until uh, very late in the uh, production schedule. Um, like which is going to be better. called The Return of the Cybermen. <laughs> huh? I like that title better. Yeah. I mean, it's – yeah. I, I It's a little more pulpy yeah. um, than uh, The Moon Base. Uh, but they changed the name to The Moon Base to cash in on uh, like the, the race to the moon that was happening. Right. Uh, in the 60s. So they were like, ah, let's put moon in the title because moon travel. Um, <laughs> so uh, so that's why they, they changed the name. Um, but uh, what is interesting about uh, – so, so, okay. So the moon base had a really interesting production schedule. Like the, the writing of it was, you know, pretty by the numbers and, and easygoing. I mean, it was written by Kit Pedler who created the Cybermen and the 10th planet. Um, yeah, plus you want to talk about pulpy Kit Pedler, Kit Pedler. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Kit Pedler, uh, came back to write the sequel to the 10th planet. Uh, and, uh, that's pretty much the end of the story of writing this thing. Like it wasn't a super complex story as far as that goes, but the production schedule, um, because of the holiday uh, season, uh, they were, they took a week off and it threw off their entire production schedule. So the moon base and several stories after the moon base, um, were all, recorded one week prior to transmission. That's amazing. Um, So, so the moon base was literally recorded the Saturday before the Saturday that episode one premiered. Um, And it went like that. It went like that for a while. uh, And it was apparently a nightmare. And then I do, I do like that. That still fits in with the world shown to us in an adventure in time and space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and also, if you remember in an Adventure in Time and Space, they were in a uh, just a really low rent studio that they all hated and didn't work properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they had moved. They had since moved into uh, a better studio, uh, the um, uh, Ealing Television Film Studios, uh, which was like a much more high end uh, thing. And then uh, by the end of part three, they were told that they had to go back 
from they had to change from Riverside Studios and go back to Lime Grove D, the old crappy studio that they had been in before. Uh, and uh, right in the middle of the production. So not only were they only oh a week out, uh, they then had to switch studios from the high end one to the uh, low rent uh, antiquated Lime Grove D between parts three and four. Um, so not not a great time. Uh, and then this other one little note that I had to mention because it is hilarious so do you guys know um our friend uh benoit uh the yes the the french uh neckerchief wearing uh frenchman well in in the story his name in the script was uh changed from jules to roguet so his surname originally was going to be uh jules benoit and then they changed it to roguet benoit but no one told the costumer and so <laughs> they had already written the initial j next to his name on his on his costume um so cuz every costume had the uh the initial and then the uh the the name the last name and uh because they were already f- they were filming it with the first name Roguet rather than just changing it back to Jules on the fly uh, they made him wear that neckerchief to cover the J on the outfit. <laughs> yeah. So that's why the Frenchman is wearing the neckerchief, not because he's a Frenchman, but because it was for practical, practical continuity reasons. Mm, the really old funny. Chris Evans beard trick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, which I really like. Uh, and then also, I guess, you know, this story is important because we get the new look Cybermen that we kind of get stuck with for a long time. This is what the Cybermen look like um, mm-hmm. for for a while. So we went from uh, the Mondas Cybermen in the 10th planet to these guys um, who are like a little more uh streamlined, streamlined yeah. and the costumes were faster to put on and um they were more robotic so that's what they uh so that's why they changed it and everything um but uh yeah i mean that's that's basically it that's uh that's the moon base in a nutshell i will say that it i This was an interesting episode to watch as someone going through these classic episodes for the first time because it's so interesting because we are kind of jumping back and forth through time, true to form. But this to me had a lot more of the sort of creature feature thriller aspects that would seem to become much more a part of the show's DNA, but this seemed like a primordial version of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think cool. you're right. I think you're definitely right. Um, so uh, I think that's about it. Cass, uh, let's, let's start talking about uh, episode one. The Moon Base, part one. Written by Kit Pedler. Directed by Morris Barry. Produced by Innes Lloyd. Air date, February 11th, 1967. The TARDIS makes an extremely bumpy landing on the moon. The doctor is grumpy about miscalculating his landing and wishes to move on, but Ben and Polly want to investigate. 
so they all don spacesuits and bounce around. Jamie goes too far and knocks himself out near a strange base and is carried inside. The others follow. This building is the base of operations for a crew from Earth, responsible for keeping the Earth's weather in check with the use of a large gravity machine called the Gravitron. But something strange is going on, and as the crew explained to the doctor, many people in the base have been falling mysteriously ill, leaving dark marks all over their faces. The moon base is put under quarantine by ground control, and another member of the crew is attacked by a metal hand and disappears. Polly tends to Jamie in the sick bay as he babbles feverishly about the Phantom Piper, a legend from his childhood. Polly sees a figure behind her and screams, but it disappears, along with the dead body of one of the crew. Polly leaves to go get Jamie water, and he wakes to see a Cyberman approaching him, and quickly passes out again, convinced it's the Phantom Piper come to collect him in death. So, I... The thing about this story is, like, they just recently found the, the episodes, right? Sort of. Uh, like yeah, they, they found uh, a few years ago. Um, it wasn't in the research that I did uh, because it was this was written before I think they were found. Um, but uh, yeah, they found episodes two and four and then animated episodes right. one and three. Um, so the last time I saw this, it was like a complete reconstruction. And I will say that watching it like for the first time, like actually watching it, I had a lot more fun with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially the, uh, um, and I like the animation style a lot. Um, I like how old fashioned it is because it, yeah. it still feels like the show. Like they didn't like, you know, it's not like some crazy modern animation style. It right. reminds me of like, um, like bad sixties cartoons, you know, yeah. <laughs> it kind of has to me, that's kind of like an Archer vibe. But like a super cheap Archer vibe. Of right, course, yeah. of course. But still kind of like the character movements and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think I like, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen The Invasion as well, but I think I like that animation style a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, from what I remember, it's a little smoother and like the faces aren't so like weirdly geometrical. Like mm-hmm. there's that shot of Ben's face at one point where it's just like all angles and I'm like, oh. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot to say about this one, but I do like the animation. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a lot. I I, I really dug the. It, it it's so interesting to to remark on the animation because you have to wonder how much of it was made artistically and how much of it was just a means to an end. Like, mm-hmm. how effectively can we? just show visually what was happening in this in this episode Mm -hmm. but i found the colors and especially going into the next animation episode i thought it was super effective and brought a lot of mood and kind of like augmented the pulp i literally i felt like i was watching one of those remember when they were trying to make motion comics work back in the yeah 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 i got i got those kind of vibes a lot and I was I was into it. it yeah, it, I get I definitely get more motion comic vibes than Archer, I think. Um, of course. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure that that does a discredit to the, the animation on, on Archer. Maybe C-Lab 2021. Oh, yeah, that's good. That Yeah, that was because that was like I think that was a lot of the same people were involved in that. If yeah, I'm not mistaken. I think it's like Adam Reed. Yeah. Yeah. 
because there's even that that um reference to it in Archer. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Where so they go to the sequel. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, like it's not so much a reference as just like a crossover. Um, yeah, <laughs> I I love that everyone <laughs> at the beginning of this when everyone is talking about. Um, uh, you know, like where they are, and they're just like, "Are we on the moon?" and blah blah blah. And Jamie's just like, "How can we be on the moon? It's in the sky!" <laughs> like, and every just everybody's just like, "We're just gonna ignore you." you oh f- man, you dumb Scottish redneck! I'm on the moon, doctor. <laughs> they're like, "Oh, oh, buddy." So yeah, so they kind of it's kind of fun. They 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 kind of start dunking on the doctor a little bit. Because he he told them they were going to Mars, but it's clearly the moon. And, and they're just kind of like, you idiot. We didn't want to <laughs> go to the moon. We want to go to Mars. Like, so God my question is like the moon landing hadn't happened yet. Right. Yes. Um, ben was, Ben's like, well, I've seen pictures of the moon. I'm like, how? How have you seen pictures of the moon? You're from like te- telescopes, right? Yeah, I guess so. Like, like from, from orbit or something? Oh. Maybe. Something like that. And you yeah. can see it. Yeah. You can see it, I guess. I've seen pictures of it with my eyes. Eye <laughs> pictures. <laughs> um, I love the spacesuits that they're wearing when they when they go out on the moon because they're like they're like old fashioned, like retro sci fi suits with the big yeah. bowl over their head. But like then diving also suits. Yeah, but then also they're wearing like they're wearing like sunglasses. Like what are those yeah. what are the sunglasses that I'm thinking of? Um, the, oh, it's like uh, when you go in to get your eyes dilated or whatever. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of like the douchebag guys that wear sunglasses. Oh, Ray Bans? Oh, not no, not Ray Bans. Uh, aviators? No, not aviators. Uh, those yeah, are aviators. Both cool. Yeah, those are both cool. Uh, <laughs> no, the really like the ones that people wear at like NASCAR, like those ones. <laughs> oh, I know, I know what you mean. Um, I forget what those are called. Those are called something specific and someone is listening to this and screaming the name of them. They're called this, you friggin' <laughs> <laughs> Or one. Oh, I like how they're automatically or, southern. Oakley's. Uh, Oakley's. Oh. No, Oakley shades. No. Oakley's. Um, yeah, they look like Oakley's and it's Everyone I grab think- your Oakley's. <laughs> yeah. I like the um the moon base uh spacesuits a little more, but that's episode three. Yeah. Personal preference. Those are those are good too. But but I, I on all of the spacesuits, I love the the two liter Coke bottles of air on their backs. Yes. Um that's my favorite thing. Uh definitely. It's literally just enough air to get you like across the street. Uh <laughs> to get it. Like they can't go walking around on the moon. Uh they just need to like go directly for the moon base or they would have run out of air. So mm-hmm. small. Um, I'm uh, I'm just opening thoughts going into this first episode. I had forgotten. Well, this is this the first or second episode with Jamie just being like a dude in the crew. Uh, this second one. Second, yeah, because the last one was the underwater menace. Um, and he was right. The underwater. I really like this crew. Hmm. And I don't know, it it, it, it kind of, we, we talked a little bit about this, how it feels like it's the doctor just taking care of these weird children. 
but I'm into it. It's good. This is good, but it gets better. After Ben and Polly leave, uh, it does get better. Um, I find it so – I love knowing that Jamie's the one that ends up sticking around the longest. Yeah, Yeah, I mean. He yeah, he's literally the the rest of two's tenure. Jamie is around he, the entire time. Cause he doesn't seem like it right now. Right. Yeah, well like, that, but that's the thing, right? Because Ben and Polly are his real companions, quote unquote. So mm-hmm. Jamie doesn't get to step up until they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. Yeah. So I'm your to, new friend now, Doctor. They have to keep finding reasons to get rid of Jamie. Uh while Ben and Polly are around. Yeah, like in this one when he's being haunted by a specter. The Phantom <laughs> Piper. The Phantom Piper. Yeah. <laughs> the Scottish Grim Reaper. I love that he um he randomly has a fever because he has a concussion and he just gets a <laughs> concussion because he falls over on the moon too hard. Moon fever. <laughs> you know, they say that your visions of the afterlife or death are very much affected by what you believed in life. Like, you know, so people that are that are Christian are like, I saw Jesus, but people who kind of don't have religion, like, I saw my gram. I love that Jamie is so his his culture and his ways are so instilled upon him that in his death visions it is like is his fever addled mind. He just has a very clear image of the pipe of this this stupid urban myth that like <laughs> his clan taught him. I don't know. I just I I I I I'm, it's a bummer we never saw it. That was a big note for me was we didn't get to see the piper. <laughs> when, when, like a like a Cyberman turning into a piper like from his POV. Dude, that'd be I, awesome. I don't even I don't think they would have ever thought to do something like that back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's old dude Dan Harmony, I guess. Or, yeah. <laughs> um uh I do um I love that when they get in the moon base, the a whole crew just immediately starts giving the doctor crap about like <laughs> check him out he's a regular rip van winkle <laughs> like yeah oh yeah what we still gonna be making rip van winkle references in 2070 washington irving goes through a big revival <laughs> yeah it was weird it was weird that this was far enough in the future that it still feels like the future but not far enough that I couldn't I couldn't shake the the idea that like most of this crew hadn't been bo- it, it, like today if this was real haven't been born yet except for like the leader who was probably just born. Oh, man. oh, I think about that a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, about how like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the old guy in Star Trek <laughs> <laughs> if I'm lucky. Yeah. It's true. Um, I was born in 1991. <laughs> but yeah, I love that he, uh, you know, he's like, he's like, well, there's a gravi- there's a gravitron, so that means it's at least 2050. And he's, they're just like, it's 2070, you psycho. Where have you been? <laughs> I, I resent that fact. That would suck if you're like, well, judging by your clothes, I would say it's 1997. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I was only 20 years off. I was like, 20 years? Only 20 years? My God. 
So there, do we do we get into the weather business at this point? Yeah, we find out what they're doing there. Okay. Yeah, which is uh, I love that. It's so crazy. Yeah, they're controlling the weather with gravity. But it kind of makes sense because, like, the moon like has like does shift the tides and everything, and they're just like. It, like, it makes so enough sense better. if you squint a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What's weird Sci-fi is there's a logic. movie right. there's a movie coming out about that. About Really? Uh, it's like a, it's like a crappy like Roland Emmerich disaster oh, movie, but it's it's called like Earth Shock or something and it's about <laughs> like in the future. Oh no. <laughs> and it's about a it's about a uh, the rootinest tootinest cowboy kid who kills the dinosaurs. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> well, what's his name? Oh, um, uh, well, anyway, but yeah, it's like in the future we have these satellites that will. It's called Geostorm. Oh, it's called Geostorm. Geostorm, and and it's like in the future we'll 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 use satellites to control the weather and prevent hurricanes and whatnot. But then it goes wrong, and what if, um, what if Geostorm is just the Earth version of this story? Yes, oh absolutely. Like that's like that that super that super British dude that we hear talking. Like that yeah, sounds like yeah. like, like <laughs> he keep... sounds like um uh what uh what's his name the guy who created James Bond um oh Ian Fleming Ian Fleming yeah he sounds like Ian Fleming like over the speaker and like what if he's like the main character in Geostorm that would be oh it all yeah, it's all a, it's all like a, it's like a stealth it's like how everyone thought life was a venom movie Geostorm's yeah. like, so. <laughs> oh god that would be <laughs> incredible and like you don't even have to call attention to it because they would have no idea the doctor or anything has anything to do with that but they make just like one passing reference to it or something and like the three of us are watching it like oh yeah what i would yell we are from we are from mondos yeah yeah (laughs) do it what what oh man oh god don't give up There are actually there are a few wa- watching these early episodes you really do see how so much science fiction bled from this world or so that this 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 uh show this property you know like Ridley Scott's Alien and and, and mm-hmm. all this other stuff because like this there are some moments where I'm like oh I kind of want to almost lift this when I do if I ever get to make a story like this mm-hmm. like it's there's some really ev- evocative, effective, like universal horror imagery in this story that I was I was super about. Yeah, all of the all of the 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 shadow images of the Cybermen, like where where you're watching it and and you're watching the animation version, you know, and you're watching it. Yeah, and there's just this very clear Cyberman's like shadow on the wall and you're like yeah. there's mm-hmm. no way in hell that looked that good in the actual live action version <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's very charitable <laughs> there's no way um but i i yeah no i do i do love it and i love how they kind of build the cyberman because you know it's it's there's two things going on here like in the time 
it was exciting because the Cybermen were like a really big deal. And like the Daleks mm-hmm. were sort of old hat at this point because there'd been like two theatrical films by now. And, <laughs> you know, the whole, the whole, the whole Dalek craze was so, sort of like dead at this point. And so Love me. they were looking for a new Dalek and they mm-hmm. felt like they found them with the Cybermen, but then mm-hmm. they redesigned them. So when you see that shadow, I imagine like, and you're seeing like all these piecemeal things, like it's not necessarily like we know that it's Cybermen because we know generally what the Cybermen look like in all of their iterations. But at the time, everyone only knew the Mondas Cybermen. Oh, that's true. You know? And so watching this, they probably didn't even know that this was necessarily Cybermen until that big reveal at the end. Maybe and maybe that's why, you know, that's another reason, another good reason to not call it Return of the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. Can I say something? No. Um moving on. I, <laughs> I was I was, not I was rem- for, Nick. We're not here for you to say <laughs> things. I was remiss to bring this up because it does expose uh my ignorance, but I actually didn't know that this was a Cyberman episode. Oh, that's good though. Awesome. I think I think you had told me, but I had just like it hadn't have stuck because I don't care about the Cybermen a lot. Sure. And so when when he shows up at the end of part one, I was like, oh, it's a Cyberman story. Yeah. And it was it was cool, man. I God, whoever designed the Mondas Cybermen this past season deserves like a BAFTA or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't. They just they just took the original design and just redid it. It's it, it it translates super well. They look so beautiful. Oh, like in the new season? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. The Moon Base Part Two, written by Kit Pedler, directed by Morris Berry, produced by Innes Lloyd. Air date February eighteenth, nineteen sixty seven. Polly returns just as the Cyberman takes another body. She screams, and the doctor and the base's commander, Hobson, come running. She insists she saw a Cyberman, but Hobson is skeptical. In fact, he thinks the doctor and his companions are just making matters worse and tells them to leave. The doctor insists on staying and helping. Hobson gives them 24 hours and returns to the control room. Once there, he notices that the Gravitron is malfunctioning and unable to control the course of a hurricane back on Earth. His crew work to correct the issue while the doctor takes samples, trying to figure out the cause of the mysterious disease. The Moonbase crew discover that the problem is with one of the antennas outside. Hobson asks when the problem started, and learns that it corresponds with the doctor's arrival, further deepening his theories. He goes to make the doctor leave, once and for all, but the doctor pretends to have solved the problem. In reality, he tells Polly, he's nowhere near a solution, even after testing everything on the base. He asks Polly to make coffee, and she obliges. Another member of the crew collapses in the sick bay after drinking a sip of his coffee, and the doctor realizes that the sugar must have been tampered with. As they begin to search the sick bay, a figure covered by sheets on one of the beds starts to sit up and move towards them. It is another Cyberman. Okay. Yeah, so... uh so yeah, so the Cyberman gets revealed. There's a really weird moment, and I think this is at the end of episode one, but I do want to call attention to it, where the Cyberman is approaching uh, Jaime, who's who's who's, <laughs> who's, 
who was having his his death visions. And <laughs> as the as the Cyberman goes to like take him, Jamie's like, "No, no, you cannot have me, Piper. You can't. You will take me." And the Cyberman actually listens to him and takes another person oh no it's, it, no 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 it's because and that that happens at the top of episode two um and, okay cool. and, and no it's it's because of uh it's because he has a head injury so he's worthless oh okay at the time that's i just thought that's like, <laughs> that's why he like looms over him and he's he's looking at his injury yeah yeah and he's like it incompatible yeah right exactly okay when i first watched it the first time i was like wow that worked <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing about this episode is at the very end where like the Cyberman is revealed to uh the TARDIS crew and he like snatches the the sheet off of him and he just like sits up but it's like really clunky and like kind of stupid. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I it's my favorite shot in the whole story. Yeah. Well, actually no, that's a lie. It's tied for favorite with uh how they get rid of them but uh is that that's the season that's the season or the, a season that's the episode two uh cliffhanger right is him snatching the sheet off of himself yes, and yes. getting up mm-hmm. if it's not the cliffhanger it's very close to the cliffhanger i remember it was the mm-hmm. end of the episode, I, i'm pretty sure it's the cliffhanger because it's like it, it's so silly because it, they literally have like the same cliffhanger for part one and part two <laughs> um oh no not a cyberman um <laughs> we know now they know yeah uh, we need to talk about the doctor taking specimens because <laughs> he literally just unties and takes a shoe off of one of these crew members without them even noticing that he's done it. I don't know <laughs> how that happened, but it does. He just unleashes yep. his boot and then just wedges his finger in there and just has the guy walk out of his boot. It's so weird. Is is. I don't remember is like the shoe thing a motif with two because I'm just remembering like are you asking if he has a shoe fetish no 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 not a shoe (laughs) fetish but you know okay so you know in Spearhead from Space the poetry story like he takes his shoe and there's that shot of him like hugging his shoe in the hospital bed oh yeah I'm wondering if that's like a callback to this in particular or just Troughton in general because he's supposed to still be kind of Troutony, you know? Right. I don't know. That's a good question. We'll have to keep an eye out for Troughton's shoe <laughs> so fetish I guess, going forward. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking if two has a, a shoe fetish. Uh. <laughs> so you are asking what I said. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, no, him just walking around just like taking things off of people with tongs <laughs> is just... He's just literally like barbecue tongs and he's just going around pulling stuff off of people until eventually he, he, you know, it's like, um, it, it, it's like if Troughton is like, a uh, like a, a clothing thief. Yeah. Uh, he's like, it's, he kind of like escalates the way that like a serial killer escalates. Like, <laughs> You start with like killing bugs and then you move your way up to people oh, and like no. he like he like starts with he starts with like lint and then moves his way up to a shoe like <laughs> over the course of like this 3 minute sequence where we're just watching him walking around the crew like stealing stuff off of them with tongs. Oh my gosh. Just slowly building another man. 
<laughs> out of lint, loose thread and a single boot. Oh um, my gosh. It's amazing. Um, so, uh, so this is the part where, so they all, Polly's like Cybermen and then that old, the, uh, the, the, the nineties kid is like, Cybermen aren't real. They were, they were destroyed. The it's just a fairy tale. <laughs> and uh, that I'm never, I mean, I'm never super crazy about that trope, but it's, it, it, it's fine here. Um, but what does ha- so, you know, the doctor gets blamed for the weirdness is happening, which right. is, is a trope that isn't going anywhere. So, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's funny watching and here like, God, they keep us going for 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they never stop blaming the doctor for everything. How do we know you don't have anything to do with these robots? It's really, honestly, it, it, it's the biggest argument, uh, for Moffat's obsession with making the doctor just the greatest hero that's ever existed and everyone loves him because he's just like, I'm sick of the other thing. Yeah, yeah I'm that's... sick of like, what are you what are you doing here, old man? Yeah. <laughs> did you do this? I wasn't I just got here. You did this, didn't you? What? <laughs> um I uh I we also get the revelation that uh the doctor ha- got his medical de- medical degree in 1888 and, right? and and Polly has to uh very carefully without treading on his ego uh explain how maybe that's not the most up to date medical <laughs> <laughs> medical degree She's like I mean you know that things change she's like what do you mean and she's like well I just I, you know, there's nothing wrong with 1888, but maybe there were <laughs> things that have happened since then that we think things have differently about human biology. <laughs> like, Isn't his response to tell her to make coffee? Yes. <laughs> That's like his, he's always his response to Polly, like all the time. Oh, I mean, Polly. there's that going for his regeneration because like Hartnell did the same thing. Oh yeah, right. Um, because uh, I'm pretty sure Troughton does that to like uh uh Victoria too, right? Occasionally, yeah, yeah, I think so. I Definitely like not Zoe. I think he tries once, and Zoe like kicks like, that kicks shuts him. that down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the whole coffee break scene, um. Honestly, I mean, I, you know, I it's upsetting that that's all that Polly gets to do. But uh, I'm a big fan of of just a bunch of blue collar Doctor Who characters sitting around drinking coffee and talking about aliens. Um, I love that they made it part of the plot too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, let's give Polly something to do that you know is yes, making coffee, but let's make it important coffee instead of just like filler coffee. Right. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, well, and then uh, and then the Cybermen uh, uh, attacking those dudes on the on the moon surface, um, mm-hmm. where he like pulls them out of their clothes. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. <laughs> like I, I I don't know. I like I like that. I like all of the moon fights because um, it's just people yeah. moving in slow motion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just yes. like bouncing. Yeah, that's the best. So good. Um, they make a hurricane destroy Hawaii. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you do. Hawaii does Hawaii does not make it out of this episode. 
and unscathed. All, all those poor people on vacation just minding their own business. Mm-hmm. Worst vacation ever. God, could you imagine how, spending like, thousands of dollars to go on vacation to Hawaii only for there to be a hurricane? <laughs> but how does the hurricane go from Hawaii to Florida? Because then they're like, oh, there's a hurricane off the coast of Florida. And I'm like, what? I've got your answer. Okay. Multiple they, hurricanes? No, they made this they made this in England and they don't know how America <laughs> they don't know America geography. They don't know yeah, how Hawaii. the patterns happen. Yeah. Yeah, Hawaii. Like isn't that like off the course of Florida or something? Like they're confusing Hawaii with the keys. Like oh, man. that would be the single most terrifying thing I could ever see is a hurricane book it to <laughs> From Hawaii to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Hawaii is like almost closer to, to Japan than to Japan, it is to yeah. America. Oh, my God. Just like, I don't know how to tell you this, but <laughs> my fellow Americans, there's a hurricane hurling towards America at like the speed of a of a car. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. It would be amazing. Um the speed of a car. I think it would have to go a lot faster than that. <laughs> the speed of like a re- at top speed. <laughs> Even that's pretty slow. That's true. <laughs> um, it would take hours and hours. Planes go like, you know, I don't know how fast. Yeah, the speed go. of a plane. Yeah, speed of a plane. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, yeah. So this this ends with the the group sort of stuck in a stuck in the med lab with the Cybermen, going mm-hmm. you know surprise mother heifers <laughs> out, of, <laughs> out, of, out, of, out of the sheet. Um. So. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. episode two. Episode two, and then uh, we go into episode three, which is another animated one. Yes. Yes. Okay. The Moon Base Part 3, written by Kit Pedler, directed by Morris Berry, produced by Ennis Lloyd. Air date, February 25th, 1967. Another Cyberman joins the first and contacts the Cybership. They explain the missing crew members are not dead, but are being altered, and Jamie was not taken because he hit his head when he fell, rendering him useless to the Cybermen's designs. They order Hobson to take them to the control room and leave Ben and Polly in the sick bay. While there, they try to find a way to defeat the Cybermen. Jamie suggests holy water, and Polly runs with this idea. The Cybermen's control panels seem to be made of some sort of plastic, and using nail varnish as her inspiration, they begin mixing a cocktail of solvents they find in the sick bay. The altered crew members are led into the control room and are instructed to control the Gravitron. The Cybermen want to use it to destroy the Earth. The Earth tries to contact the base, but hearing nothing, sends up a rescue ship. Ben and Polly storm the control room, spraying the Cybermen with the solvent mixture, and they fall to the ground dead. The Doctor removes the headpieces from the altered crew members, and they are sent to the sickbay. In the Cybership, the Cybermen gear up for a full-on invasion of the base. Meanwhile, one of the crew goes out onto the surface of the moon to check on his colleagues that were sent to deal with the broken antenna. A Cyberman begins to chase him, but Ben throws a flask of the mixture from the airlock just in time. Inside, Hobson has located the Cybership. He looks through the telescope to see an army of Cybermen marching towards them across the moon. Um, 
So the Cybermen, we find out that the Cybermen's plan is that they want to destroy Earth so that there's no one left to stop them. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, isn't your whole deal that you like want to change people into Cybermen? Not like, these ones. Not these, these ones. The blood. I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was like, no, no, we're good just being us. Oh, dude, did we forget to talk about like the best line that Troughton has ever said? Ever? Oh, I don't know. Like, for well, the the evil one, the one about evil, like his mission statement line. Oh, or yeah, is that in this yeah. One? We, I don't know which because no, that's that... in the second one, I think. Okay, all right. Yeah. Anyway, that line's great. What is it? <laughs> the um, you know the the evil that must be stopped. I'm paraphrasing it. I don't have it in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um. But that's basically like the quote that everyone's like, oh, yeah, this is what the second doctor is about. Like, in contrast to, to Hartnell's doctor, who's just kind of like stumbling his way into trouble and then, oh, I guess I have to fix it because humans. But like Troughton's doctor is very focused on like evil. There's evil in the universe and it's my job to stop it. So we're going to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because like they keep telling him to leave. Uh, yeah. and he's like, no, no, no. Um, so there are some corners of the universe which have bred the most terrible things, things which yes. act against, be- be- against, against everything we believe in. They must be fought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, that's like proto that, I mean, that's the doctor that, that I know, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I, I imagine that that's one of the reasons why, um, Matt Smith was so enamored with Troughton. Mm-hmm. It is this kind of what do you guys think about this sort of this beginning of the end of of it, of it being about like an old man kind of exploring and poking about the universe to being like I am the thing that the monsters are afraid of. Like, it, do you guys have like a preference? Um, I think, I think they do, like, the transition happens very slowly over the evolution of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I like that Troughton's doctor is, is still kind of alien, like, you know, just stealing people's shoes and stuff, Mm -hmm. but is, like, humorous and, like, relatable about it. So he's, like, a little more, he has more human aspects the more he hangs out with humans. Shocker. Um. And I like that Troughton, like, plays the Doctor as more approachable than Hartnell. Um, but I think the, the... It just depends on who's running the show, too. Because that person's in charge of who's going to tell the story. So, you know. Right. I, well, right. And, and, I, and I think, too, uh, when, it's, when it's a... When it's a hard cut between doctors where that changes i think that helps too because then it's just like oh well that's what this regeneration's about um it's like it's like this this particular doctor's uh mission statement so it didn't bother me when they did that with matt smith like in his first episode it's like yeah like i'm the i'm i'm your boogeyman you alien bastards um like that didn't that didn't bother me because it was like okay that's just what this guy's about all right Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. 
It just it just depends on how it's done. I think like if it yeah, if it just nice. became like well that's just how it is now. I have a feeling that thirteen is going to go back to the beginning again of just being like a, a heroic explorer because there you know she's not going to have the um she's not going to have a lot of the like built up respect. I would assume that the other doctors have had. Um, because it's such a major change, I imagine that they're going to use it as an excuse to sort of like wipe the slate clean and, and go back to the beginning, back to basics. Yeah, go back to basics yeah. again. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, anyway, um, what if the first image of series 10 is just, she's just like on a horse with like a sword. <laughs> It's just like explosions are going off everywhere. Sweet. She's like, yeah. <laughs> um, so they're, oh my gosh. so they're trying to figure out a way to, uh, get rid of the Cybermen. Um, and, and, uh, Jamie suggests holy water, which first of all, first of all, Ben, ben <laughs> suggests radioactivity. Like, yeah, they don't like radioactive stuff. Remember that up ep- that past ep- adventure we were in the 10th planet. Um, and she was like, yeah, yeah, but we don't have access to that. And he's like, oh, yeah, Everyone. right. And Jamie's like, what about holy water? <laughs> and he's and she's like, you're, you're right. That's perfect. Nail varnish. And he's like, what? what? <laughs> I know. I love that her answer to everything is nail polish remover. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So she's going to. And they're gonna... they just mix stuff in the lab. And I'm like, oh, man, that's going to explode. Like, don't mix stuff like that. I know. Well, what kills me? Bad message to children. What kills me is they're like, yeah, no, nail varnish melts plastic, and there are little doohickeys in the front of them on their body are made. This looks like it's made of plastic, so let's do that. What should we store it in? How about these plastic spray bottles? Right? Yeah. So confusing. <laughs> it's like those better be made of glass or something. I, I assume it must be. I don't know. Um. And then they they so they get that set up, and then they're gonna go attack the siren. And Polly starts to go, and and Ben stops her and is like, "Not you, Polly. This is meant to work." Yeah. <laughs> oh, I I hate Ben. I just I hate him. I think he's the worst. Um, I love Polly, Can you but I don't like Jamie. Ben. Polly. Uh, no, I think Polly and Ben leave at the same time. Yeah, no, but just you know, can you imagine it? Can you imagine a world where it was just Jamie and Paul? Yeah, that'd be nice. And the Doctor, that'd be that'd be pretty great. I'd like that. I mean, I mean, look, we get we get Jamie and Victoria, and and more importantly, uh, Jamie and Zoe uh, later on, yes. which are like my that's my favorite like three crew uh, is uh, Jamie two and Zoe. Those are the best. Um, I can't wait for you to meet Zoe. You're going to be obsessed with her, Nick. She's so cool. I know. I'm yeah. excited. Um, so. I don't know. I'm, I'm still a fan of creepy 30 slash 16 year old granddaughter. <laughs> in the corner. Pretty great too. Um, so uh, Ben and Polly taking out Cybermen with spray bottles is uh, they literally burst into the room and, and pose like a boy band. It's pretty magnificent. Yes. Um, it's, it's great. I love it. Uh, and I also love later when Benoit B- Benoit goes out on the on the moon surface and gets in a fight with a Cyberman, and then the 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 gun doesn't go off because like 
something about the moon. I don't know if it's like gravity or what it was, but some, something makes it so that it doesn't go off. And so then he just runs from the Cyberman. So then it's just Benoit running, this Frenchman running away from a Cyberman chasing after him like he's Jason Voorhees. And then... <laughs> and then Ben comes out of nowhere and throws a nail varnish bomb at him. So good. Oh, it's excellent. I, I can't imagine uh I can't imagine that being anywhere near as enjoyable in uh a reconstruction. No. Cause this, this <laughs> whole thing because it depends on what reconstruction you're watching. Like some of them are better than others because some of them have narration. Mm-hmm. Um and they're like using the audiobook, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Rem- I I think I watched like a really bad one. So it's just like words, like subtitles, basically, like scrolling across the screen, telling you what's going mm-hmm. on. I'm like, oh, this is the worst. So good. Um, as the doctor re- etch- reaches his hand closer and closer to the door handle, he begins to <laughs> yeah. feel, feel a vibration coming from the other side. <laughs> um, and then. Uh... We get uh, another cliffhanger reveal of cyber of a Cyberman. Only it's not one Cyberman; it's an army of Cybermen <laughs> walking, okay, walking so across the moon. On the moon, the image in the animated in, but I, I I don't want to talk about the live action one yet because that's the next thing we see in the next episode. But the animated images of the Cybermen walking across the moon was so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So spooky, and I just really want to talk a little about how I think this episode really. This is one of my favorite Cybermen episodes, which I know isn't saying a lot, but oh, nice! This is the first one to really, to me, nail how creep what how creepy and what a violation of nature the Cybermen are, and like the horror of that. Of, like, seeing, like, the people move around like puppets and, mm-hmm. like, like yeah, like, to me, kind of going back to what worked so much this past season, the, the more you can really nail or accentuate, like, what is unsettling and inhuman about the Cybermen and not just chrome zombies, mm-hmm. that, to me, is, like, where the juice is. I agree. I agree. I'm interested to to see what you think of um, Tomb of the Cybermen then, because I think that's my favorite Cybermen story, mm. and it oh, does cool. a lot of the things that this does, but I think it does them better. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I it's really rad. I I would I would love to see a Cybermen story where it's just like, and maybe this exists to a certain extent, but it's like a slasher movie, but it's just one Cyberman. Yeah, uh, like one Cyberman, just like going yeah. going around and just like. One Cyberman grabs one person, turns them in, and then now there's two Cybermen, and it just keeps lowering the numbers, mm-hmm. and they keep getting more and more overwhelmed, like as the story goes. But it's just like it's it's like a slasher movie with a Cyberman, yeah. And they're in like the jungle, yeah. Or maybe even maybe they're not even like turning people into Cybermen; they're literally just killing people because there's something wrong with it. Yeah, yes. and that, and you just like the doctor finds a closet, and there's just like people hanging on my books. <laughs> oh my god! Well, Sorry. all right, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so episode four, <laughs> the Moon Base Part Four, written by Kit Pedler, directed by Morris Berry, produced by Innes Lloyd, 
Air date, March 4, 1967. The Cybermen tell the Moonbase that they are surrounded and, quote, resistance is useless. Hobson attempts to contact the Earth, but the Cybermen are jamming the signal. Though the Doctor removed the headpieces, the Cybermen are still able to somewhat control the altered crew members, and one heads back into the Gravitron's control center, knocking the approaching rescue ship out of orbit and towards the sun. The Doctor sends Ben and Jamie back to the sickbay to make sure the remaining altered crew members do not leave. The Cybermen taunt the base again, saying they have control, and they fire a laser into the side of the base. Oxygen rushes out of the room, but Hobson and another crew member are able to block the hole and stop the leak. Meanwhile, another cybership has landed, and they are unloading another weapon. The Cybermen fire again, but this time the blast is deflected by the Gravitron, which is now operating correctly. This gives the Doctor an idea. Could the Gravitron be pointed at the moon's surface? It has never been done before, but the crew tries, and the Cybermen and their ship are sent floating into space. The Doctor and his companions head back to the TARDIS unnoticed. There, the Doctor is curious about what happens to the moon base and uses the time scanner to see into the future. Polly screams as a large claw is projected on the screen instead. Uh, I so so this is um, I don't I don't know when would the last time we brought this up before, but um, Nick has it have have we ever talked about with you that the Cybermen were the basis of, I mean, not even a basis. Like they literally just ripped off the Cybermen when they created the Borg. Okay. Yes. Cause I mean, literally they start saying their, their little phrase of resistance is useless. And I'm like, my God, Star Trek. Like, are you guys kidding me with this? Have you no shame? Yeah. Yeah. I do want to, I do want to just kick this off by saying however cool and creepy the animated image of Cybermen <laughs> walking across the moon in live action, it is like Slender Man level creepy. Yeah. It's it's awesome. it's awesome. Until you see the close-ups of their boots, uh, and then you see that they have shoelaces yes. and there's a lot of questions. Um my favorite. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> it's the best. I just want to see a Cyberman tying their shoe. Um you go around the tree. <laughs> God, I can't do the Cybermen. Don't have like you go around the tree. They don't have they don't have like a iconic voice the way that. But maybe just can't do yeah, it. Yeah, well, it's 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 thing. way more modulated and it's it's difficult to imitate. I think. Well, yeah, voice, I think yeah. so. Um, you go around the tree. <laughs> as close as I think a human like being a, can get. A Dalek that's being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which would be so hard. Um. Their stupid fat. So necks. in general, in general, I think as much as I love a lot of the 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 like, there's a lot of parts of this that I like a lot. I think this is the weakest episode of the four, uh, because mm-hmm. it's the shortest. Because there's not a lot here. Like it's literally yeah. like uh, like the plot of this is literally just the Cybermen are like, we have you surrounded. We've cut off your communication. So whatever. And they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they do that for like 15 <laughs> minutes. And the doctor's like, turn off the gravity. And they're like, oh, yeah. And that's it. Then everybody leaves and every then <gasps> it's over. <laughs> like, My. like, that's, the, that's like, it. That's all that happens. You could do this episode. You could execute this episode in five minutes. Yeah, no kidding. I love the shot of 
the Cybermen just floating off into space. Oh, it's incredible. That's life. It's so funny. Like, what do you think happened? No, 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 no. Well, don't they see there's like that comet at the end and they're like, oh, is that the Cybermen? And I'm like, oh, that's dark. Like, there goes their ship just burning into the sun. Yeah. Like, well, and uh, it's it's I guess we didn't bring this up, but these are the surviving Cybermen that escaped the 10th planet story. So they escaped yes. and then they upgraded themselves and then came to the moon for more people. Which is interesting. I don't know. I, I like that it's a direct sequel to the 10th planet. I, I always like when they do that in Doctor Who because it's. Yeah, it yeah, yeah. Or, lot, or just so like how. Uh, how there is kind of a arc in space universe mm-hmm. inside of the right. show. Yeah, I really like that. I think that's cool. Or the uh, the New Earth like group of episodes. Yeah, right. yeah. Also, I love when the TARDIS crew uh, Batman's away uh, from the situation. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite. Uh, I, I just love it because it's so needless. It's literally them just – it's literally just, you know, the the writer just being like, you know, I don't really feel like writing them saying goodbye. So they're just going to leave. They're just yeah. going to jet. I hate yeah. this. I hate this. <laughs> this is boring and stupid. Let's just have them leave. That reminds me of my favorite, favorite joke in the Justice League trailer or like – Commissioner Gordon turns around and they're all gone except the Flash. Yeah, the Flash, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that looks good. Um, but uh, yeah, and then we get we get a tease of what the next story will be because there's a big. Uh... <laughs> oh, I forgot about the crab. Yeah, there's claw. a crab claw. Um, on the uh, on the video oh. thing, which uh, he also mentions, he's like, yeah, I want to see how the moon base uh, gets along in like 50 years. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna turn on the on the TARDIS TV and check it out. Uh, see what it looks like fifty crab years from now, and then they see a giant crab claw instead. <laughs> so at some point, we have looking forward. We, we as a species have to look forward to a race of giant crabs invading the moon. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll find out how that goes uh, in the next story, but uh, the macro terror. The mac. The macro. The macra? Yeah. Oh, the Makra Terror. Terror? Yeah. I like the Macro Terror though. That sounds cool too. That's like a uh, Robert Ludlum yeah. novel. We've we've seen we've seen the Makra in um Yeah, the they're in um Gridlock. Yeah. I haven't seen that in years. Yeah. They they live at the bottom of the of the of the titular gridlock. <laughs> oh, those things, yeah. 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 So uh, is this the first um like base under siege story for Troughton? And then we get like three seasons of it. I think so. Basically. I think yeah. so. Because uh, the underwater menace isn't that. The Highlanders isn't is kind of that, but not really. I think this is the story that kicks off that uh Yeah. That that form. trope. I think you're right. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Um, but, uh, we won't be talking about, uh, we won't be talking about the macro, uh, is it the macro, the macro, yeah, the macro terror. Um, I don't like saying it like that. Uh, even if it is technically correct. Um, I, uh, I know that I'm wrong, but I'm like, I'm like macro terror. It doesn't flow off. my. It doesn't flow out of my mouth the way the other one did. Um, 
but uh, expect lots of speed bumps uh, <laughs> when we're talking about that or me just avoiding saying the title altogether um, next round. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so next week we're going to be we're going to have uh, the third doctor and one of his absolute best stories. Yes. Inferno. Uh, Nick, you have no idea what you're in for. I'm so excited. You have no idea. I'm excited. You have too. No idea. Uh, I'm still uh, excited. You can't change oh, my mind. <laughs> oh, buddy. So good. Um, and we say goodbye to our first companion next week. Oh, sweet. Someone dies. Um, well, well, just like in this new way of doing things, we haven't uh, said goodbye to any companions yet. And we say goodbye to our first one. Oh, uh, right. not. Yeah, he would just he would just, he's just prank him yeah. and leave. Oh, oh, the other bit of note, the other the small thing that I wanted to bring up about this story, which is I forgot about this in the in the um in the uh, background. There's one little fun little bit which is so awesome. The uh, it's good to bring it up now because it's, it has to do with the third Doctor. But um, the actor who plays uh, is it is it uh, Bennett? What is his name? In um, the third Doctor era, Benton. Benton. Yeah, the actor who plays Benton plays the Cyberman in this story. Awesome. He was a he was an extra in this as a Cyberman, uh, and then went on to play like a major role on the show later on. Yay! I yeah. love Benton. He's so cool. Benton the Cyberman. <laughs> um. So anyway, um. All right. Well, I think that about uh, wraps us up here, and we will be back next week with Inferno. Ah, so go uh, go check out our Facebook group if uh, you want to talk about Doctor Who with us all the time. Uh, and uh, go check out our Patreon because we're trying to get uh, a new Patreon-exclusive podcast off the ground where we talk about Doctor Who and the Daleks, the uh, 1963, 64 film. Um sure. uh, Five minutes at a time. So we're going we're gonna to do like a weekly thing where we talk about five minutes of it. And we have never seen this movie before, so we'll be watching it for the first time, five minutes at a time, and uh, giving that entertainment back to you, <laughs> our loyal Patreon subscribers. Um, so go check that out at duelinggenre.com slash support, and uh, we'll be back next week with Inferno. Inferno.